Today I'm speaking about nourishing faith. The Apostle Peter died shortly after he wrote his second epistle. And in the first verse of that letter, he tells us that we have received faith of equal standing with his. That word in the original language is isotimos, of equal standing, or of equal value or honour. He goes on to write about how that faith grows and brings forth the fruit of the true person that we were created to become. I see that being like a tree of life growing within us. And it took many trials of faith for Peter to come into the fullness of that fruitful faith experience. And he wants to impart that experience to us in this epistle. He came from being a a godly man under the law who strived to say and to do the right things as a man of God into becoming a man of faith who lived in the flow of God's divine nature within. I'm going to read from 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence, through which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises or commitments, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of wrong desires. For this very reason, diligently Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control steadfastness or perseverance, and perseverance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how do we add to our faith? Do we say we believe in Jesus and his death and resurrection? And then having settled that, we start to become a better person by making an effort to becoming virtuous and gaining knowledge and being more kind and loving. You see, when we read that word, add to your faith, the word add there, in the original language, is epicoragio, which means nourish. You can look that word up in your concordance. So Peter is saying, nourish your faith. Vitalize the organic nutrients of that tree, the tree of life that's within you. It's not adding on to something with your own works. It is nourishing that which is within you, your faith, vitalizing it organically with, and then there's the list, with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and so on. And we read those things that are qualities that increase and they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as I said, how do we add to the faith? Well, we nourish organically 
a living faith. Now, it would seem if the scripture was saying that we just add to the faith, start making an effort to become more virtuous and gain more knowledge and being kind and so on, well, then it would mean that we might as well have a Christian belief system and then live under the law by doing our best to obey the Ten Commandments. Now, that's not a bad thing to do. And perhaps that is what James is saying when he says that faith without works is dead in James chapter 2, verse 26, which could look like a contradiction to what Paul says when he says in Romans 3, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith alone, not by the works of the law. You think, well, do those two scriptures oppose one another? No, there is no contradiction. James and Paul are both saying the same thing. And so is Peter in this passage of Scripture. That everything in our Christian faith, from being forgiven and receiving the life of Christ and being made one with him through the Holy Spirit, depends upon our conscious dependence upon what he has done, what God has done, and what God is doing for us. That's what faith is. It's not what we do to add to it. It is what God has done and what God is doing, and we cooperate with him. So Peter and James and Paul all assume that we will undertake to live a life in participation with God that produces the fruit of his spirit within us. Faith is always about depending upon God while nourishing his divine activity within, his divine nature. That's what the scripture said. We're partakers of that divine nature. Now, the following episodes of Peter's life that I'm about to describe in his struggle to try and add to his faith and learning about what he wrote, which was nourishing organically the life within him. Now, I'm going to speak about some episodes in Peter's life that are not meant to disparage this apostle of God, but they reflect to us how we too can struggle like Peter did, with all good intentions to be who God wants us to be. And like Peter, we learn to realise that we can only be changed into who God created us to become through a surrendered faith in the work of the Holy Spirit within us. That is the obedience of faith. Peter was a man of good intentions and great aspirations. He was a man who wanted to give everyone the best advice, but who often didn't know what he was talking about. He told Jesus that it was not God's will for him to die on the cross. He said to Jesus, no, Lord, far be it from you. You're not going to the cross. Peter was also a man who wanted to be so friendly, he would swap sides if being on the wrong side made him look bad to his other friends on the other side. I'll tell you the story of Peter visiting Paul and Barnabas in the new Gentile church in Antioch. That was a church they were growing. Peter accepted their Gentile Christian lifestyle, which was free from Jewish rules and regulations, and he was happy to share that expression of Christianity there in Antioch. That was until James and some of the other Jewish Christians decided to come down and check out how things are going in this new church. And immediately, Peter 
stopped eating with the Gentile Christians, stopped associating with them. No more of being a free Gentile Christian. And he convinced Barnabas to do the same. Paul became incensed about this hypocrisy and he berated Peter in front of all the other apostles. You can read about that in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11. Here's a little bit more about Peter. Peter was a man of such self-conscious mood swings that he could say to Jesus, no, you won't wash my feet, and then realising his foolishness, say, please, not just my feet, wash all of me. And on one occasion, Peter went up with Jesus onto a mountain with James and John, where Jesus was transfigured, and his face shone like the sun. Moses and Elijah appeared, talking with Jesus in a bright cloud. And Peter decided to break in on the discussion, and he said to Jesus, If you like, I'd be happy to put up three tents here right now, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Then from the cloud, another voice broke in on Peter and said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When Peter heard that, he fell flat on his face on the ground, terrified. Peter was a man who was so loyal to his religious opinions that he let his opinions give him permission to say no to God. One day when God showed him some unclean animals that the Jews didn't eat, lowered down in a, in a sheet while Peter was meditating on a rooftop. He said, take and eat, Peter. And Peter said, not so, Lord, I can't eat what you've offered me. It's religiously unclean. He says no to God. That's in Acts chapter 10. Peter was then told by God to preach the gospel to a Gentile centurion called Cornelius. That's what the sign of the sheet full of these unclean animals was about. So Peter went and preached the gospel to a Gentile centurion called Cornelius. But upon being invited into the man's house, the first thing he said was, do you know it's not lawful for a Jew to enter a Gentile house? Peter was a man who found it so difficult to control his emotions and reactions that after praying in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus and continually nodding off to sleep, he lopped the ear off the guard who came to arrest Jesus for his trial. And he then ran and hid in the crowd and told people he didn't know who Jesus was. Peter was a man who learned the hard way and for many years, to surrender in faith to God's grace and God's idea of who he was and who he could become. And Peter humbly let God's grace allow him to become that man that God created him to be, beyond all of his good intentions and all of his personal aspirations. Peter's life is a lesson to us of how not to become victims of our own strong opinions about who we are and who other people are, and what is going on. We think we have opinions, but often opinions really have us. And they're mostly borrowed from other people anyway. Peter went on to become a hero of faith. He became a man who humbly lived and spoke from the tree of life and not the tree of knowledge, which was mostly the religious knowledge of rules and regulations. Peter is telling us that the spiritual growth activities that he mentions in his letter from verse 3, the ones I read about the, the growth of the virtue and the 
brotherly kindness and the love. He said, these are not a compulsory set of regulations enforced upon us. He said, these will be brought about by the divine life of the nature of God in us. We are not having regulations enforced upon us in order to gain merit or favour or to achieve some kind of status as a Christian. These are the overflow of the life principle, the divine nature, that spills into our heart and mind and soul and body from Jesus through the Holy Spirit. This is what our faith opens up for us and what flows out into the people and the world around us. Now, do we dare to believe this? So what does faith do? How does this tree grow? For any plant to grow, it needs good soil, it needs sunshine, and it needs rain. And spiritually, when we look at ourselves and God and being grown in faith, the sunshine is God's love. That is the energy that causes life to flourish on this planet. And that is the energy that causes life to flourish in us. And that is God's love, the greatest energy in the universe. The rain is the Holy Spirit that joins us in oneness in a oneness of value of those things in God's heart and in God's mind. The soil is our heart that is broken up and softened by the rain and the sun and by our desire to have that tree of life planted, the digging that goes on into our hearts. We have that tree planted into our value system, the highest things, things that we esteem. And so... Our desire is to have this planted with real intention and aspiration. This is what makes our life one of fulfilment and joy. And all the while, we're painfully aware of falling short because we're human. It's not like we do it, but we give our best to this work of nourishing our faith. And there is always the now to come back to. It seems like we fail. Oh, that was a waste of time. No, we are here now. God's here now. Let's keep moving on. Now let's look at, as we do move on, the nature of these character traits that we're talking about. The first one is virtue. And that is a character trait of courage and honesty and integrity. In the Greek, the word is arete. And we ask ourselves the question, which will test often our courage and our honesty and our integrity question like this, why will I not face this challenge of obedience to God? Am I avoiding this because of fear of failure or rejection? Am I taking shortcuts because no one is watching? That tests our character of integrity and honesty and courage. Now, if the answer is yes, yes, I am avoiding this. I'm human. We can ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us that we can trust God to honour the smallest step of our yes to him. Even if it looks like there will be a cost to our yes of being opposed or a suffering disadvantage, there are consequences. For example, admitting to getting something wrong with no excuses and taking the consequences. That takes courage and honesty. We will then see God honour his commitment to bring about his good and perfect will for us in the situation. We take the step. 
We nourish that faith. We participate and God does the supernatural work and faith grows. We also learn in trusting God this way that is purifying our conscience to see more clearly his right. I'm speaking about getting it right or getting it wrong. And we take that first step and say, this is the right thing to do. We do that, that first step, rather than being at ease with our own rationalisation of our action. Oh, I can get away with this. Now we take that step. We then get to trust in our own heart with more confidence. And even that grows our faith and trust. The next one. He says, after that, nourish your faith with knowledge. The Greek word there is gnosis. Now we're talking about faith here, not just knowledge of anything. So this knowledge is understanding what is worthwhile knowing as far as growing in a living faith is concerned. That's the knowledge we had. Now we ask ourselves this question. Do I just want to know biblical and doctrinal facts about religion because it gives me significance or influence with others? And if the answer is yes, then we need to ask God about the things he wants to reveal to us. He reveals to us who he is. And we begin to trust the Holy Spirit to give us his wisdom from above so that we can know his will for our lives in order to make right choices. He will teach us by his Spirit and his word what is worthwhile knowing and also how to impart wisdom to others. The next one that we nourish is self-control. And that, in the original language, means the management of boundaries in our lives, the discipline and self-control. And we ask this question, do I want to live without boundaries in my life that limit my self-determination to do things my way? Or that limit my self-indulgence to have what I want? We're human beings. And if we say, yes, I'd rather live without those boundaries. Well, we can ask God to help us reorder the spiritual and moral priorities in our lives, starting with ourselves. Things that get out of order in my life. Well, if we're human beings and we say yes to that, we can ask God to help us reorder the spiritual and moral priorities in our lives, starting with ourselves. If we choose to live like that, we become part of the reordering of the people and the things around us. The next one that we nourish is perseverance. The Greek word there is hypomeno. Hypo means under. Meno means abiding. So we abide patiently under circumstances. That is perseverance. We ask this question. Do I find myself impatiently complaining about the way things are or the way other people are and resisting rather than accepting the things that I cannot change? If yes, we can ask Holy Spirit to give us his grace to give thanks in all things for this is the, the will of God for you in Christ as it says in Thessalonians that is the good will of a loving God for us help me Lord to give thanks in this situation and then he reveals to us that he's working all things 
together for our good. And we see at the end of the conclusion of whatever that event was in our lives, we can see that God has come in. We said yes, a small step. And we abided patiently, persevered. And God brings about a result beyond what we could ever achieve. The next part of this life-giving faith to be nourished is godliness, which means spiritual focus and devotedness to God. It's not just looking pious. It's not just doing, it's not doing religious uh, activities or rituals. It is being devoted to God in your heart. We ask this question, do I find myself being more attracted to the things of the world rather than to God? If the answer to that is yes, then we can ask the Lord to create in us a clean heart and to renew a right spirit within us, just like David did. God answered David's prayer, gave him a heart like his own. When we do that, when we truly say, Lord, create that clean heart in me, he will then touch us with his presence and purify our hearts so that we begin to see God in everything around us. The Bible says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The next part that we nourish in this faith growth is brotherly kindness, Philadelphia, which means care and compassion. We ask this question, do I find it's an irritation or an annoyance when I have to go out of my way to help or assist someone? and I turn away, or I find a reason why I shouldn't have to? Well, if the answer is yes, ask the Holy Spirit to help us understand the feelings of helplessness or heartache that another person is suffering. Put yourself in that person's shoes, in that person's situation. Holy Spirit will show you because he's there with them in that situation, beckoning you. The blessing for us is that we will find the compassion and comfort of God not only coming through us for that person, but coming upon us in abundance when we get into times of despondency. This tree grows, this faith grows, and it grows us more into the likeness of Jesus, and it blesses other people. And finally, the crowning virtue of nourishing the growth of faith is love, agape, selfless, sacrificial love. All I can mention here, the only thing that I can give reference to is what God says about what love is and what it isn't in his word. Do, do I find myself not heeding what God says about love in his word? Well, let's read his word in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. And it says this, Love is patient and very kind, never jealous or envious, never boastful or proud, never haughty or selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. Now that's love. You say, well, who can do that? You know, if we knew how much we were loved by God at any moment in time and clung to that and believed in that with all of our heart, despite 
what opinion we might have of our own shortcomings. If we just knew we were loved and forgiven, we would find delight in heeding those words about love in that scripture. Not just heeding them, but living this life that he's given us and finding delight in loving and blessing others. So attending to this process of spiritual growth, nourishing our faith, makes our life one of fulfillment and joy. And even though all the while we are painfully aware of falling short, we always will feel that. We give our best to this work of nourishing our faith. And when we fall short, not if, <laughs> when we fall short, there is always the now, like I said before, to come back to. Faith only works in the now. We don't go back to regretting what we got wrong. And we don't just make a resolution to try and get it done a little bit better tomorrow. We come into the now, into that present moment, knowing that at that moment God is loving us and forgiving us and increasing our faith to produce the fruit of his tree of life in us. It is our participation and cooperation with his spirit and his faith. The Lord bless you. Amen.